Hey folks, Dan with Holy Spirit Soapbox. Once again, I hope you're feeling the blessings of eternal life if you've given your life to Christ. If you haven't, hey, we're waiting for you and so is Jesus. If you want to join us in heaven, we highly, highly suggest that you give your life to Jesus Christ. Folks, I am so excited. Do you want to know why I'm so excited? Because it's Christmas time when I'm recording this and I love Christmas so much. I hope you do too. And I hope you're really excited or wicked excited, as we like to say as Bostonians, that you're wicked excited for Christmas because it is such an awesome time. Now, I know that it's been kind of, we say, hijacked by the secular world or whatever. But no, at the same time, it's full of joy. It's full of hope. It's full of peace. It's full of love. No matter no matter what, if we put Jesus into Christmas again and we just celebrate Jesus's birth, man, it's such a blessing. Man, it's so exciting. And there's this joyful anticipation that we have. We're awaiting baby Jesus, right? I'm so excited for him. If you haven't heard the episode called Vorfreude, which is a German word, I highly suggest that you listen to it. It's all about joyful anticipation. And, and so we can get a glimpse of what these shepherds and all these people waited for, what, that, that excitement and that anticipation for their Messiah, and that is what we are celebrating with Christmas. And I know we've done a few episodes on why Jesus had to die and why Jesus had to come to earth. Now, I want to further that into why Jesus had to come in the flesh specifically. Now, first off, we all know he had to fulfill all those prophecies, Isaiah 9, 6, and all these other ones that are in Isaiah and Daniel and all these other, these prophetic books or these these books that talk about this coming Messiah or this coming Savior, we have to we have to l- listen to those, and we know that that is the prophecy that he had to fulfill those, and that is partially why he came to Earth. Now, why he came in the flesh with skin and bones is a whole other thing. Okay, here we go. Let's let's jump into this today. There's a lot of speculation of how God presented Himself to like Abraham and Moses and others within the Old Testament. Okay, prior to the arrival of Jesus in the flesh. Now, some Jewish and Christian scholars suggest that God came in visions and or sent angels. Now, why am I saying that he didn't just come straight up and and talk to people face to face? Okay, here we go. The Bible mentions that God spoke with Moses face to face as a friend. Okay, this is Exodus 33, 11, I believe. However, a few verses later in 18 to 23, Moses asked to see God in his glory. And God says, you can't, you can't do that, my friend. No one can see my face and live. You can't see my face and live, says God, okay? So God walks by him and Moses is covered by like a rock in God's hand and sees God's back. Very interesting. Now I won't speculate, okay? Nor will I hold God in a box, okay? As to how he wants to and can show himself to humans, but taking his word seriously, which I do, and as fact, which they are, Exodus 33.20, where he can, we cannot see his face, for no one may see me and live, tells me he had to hide himself from us because he loves us and doesn't want for us to be destroyed just by looking at him. What does this mean? I can't look at God face to face? No. His glory is so great. His glory is so strong for us little humans, okay? For 
that we we would we, we can't fathom it. We can't fathom it. We can't understand it. We can't comprehend it. Our brains would just like explode. We'd like melt. <laughs> That's what happens. We can't see God in all of his glory as humans. Even Moses, the guy that supposedly all these people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, and all these guys that were these religious leaders were following Moses and his law. And Moses was like the father of fathers next to Abraham, right? He was just this guy that was so great to them. Even he couldn't look at God face to face. Now, we also mentioned in, the, in those previous episodes that God wanted to be with his creation. Now, he loves us so much and he knew in order to spend eternity with his creation who had fallen away from him, he would have to conquer death to pay those wages of sin. But wait, wait a minute. Couldn't God just like select certain people to go to heaven based on merits? Well, unfortunately, this is how so many people think, including Christians. Why can't God just select the people that do good and all that fun stuff? Why doesn't God just select certain people? Well, there, there are different religions for that, okay? There are religions, but the true God, the one true God, wants, to wants us to have a free will. And he wants us to enjoy what he's given us as creation. Now, the problem is we loved and continue to love creation and self more than the creator and, and the one that created each of us. We love the creation more than the creator. Putting our faith and hope and joy and peace and love into the creation instead of the creator has now distanced us from eternal life since we prefer the non-eternal things over the eternal. Makes sense, right? If you worship and consistently go after and put all your faith into non-eternal things, you can't be eternal after that. So basically, he took something that can die, the body, and conquered death with the resurrection so that now we can all look towards the eternal, which is Jesus. If we trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have now conquered death with him because of him. I'm going to go deep into theology here, so please stay with me. Okay, you ready? God equals life and God gives life, which means being apart from God equals not life or what we like to call death. God cannot be apart from himself, so. God did not experience death. In order to experience what we experience in the flesh, he had to become flesh to experience what it's like to be apart from him, i.e. death. The spirit still never experienced death, though, because it was, it's always been greater than death and not of the flesh. Now, experience and knowledge are separate things. God is all-knowing, and he knows that flesh without him is not life or it's, it's death. But he didn't experience it until he came in the flesh. Make sense? <laughs> did you all get that? Hopefully you did. But next, he wanted to show his heart by humility. When Jesus was born, this is the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And he came in one of the most humble ways possible. 
He was in a small little village in like nowhere Israel, okay? People did not, they did not go there. That wasn't a place of, that wasn't like Southern California or like the Maldives. It's not a nice area. I haven't been there. But at the time, it was not a nice area. They kept saying, nobody great comes from Nazareth, right? So that's where he was born. He could have had this beautiful hospital, right? In the middle of Jerusalem or something, or somewhere in Egypt. He could have had this beautiful hospital, a gold-lined bassinet. He was, could have been wrapped in like the best wool. But no, no, he was forced into a birth in a yucky, smelly, gross manger, and he accepted it. A manger being a trough where animals drink out of, and there's like poop and gross stuff everywhere. Sorry, I'm just being real. But he accepted that. He was born to, in, in the family of two people that were heavily rooted in their faith in God and knew they would take care of him and embrace the grace that was given to him too, Mary and Joseph. Mary and Joseph were not these highly popu popular celebrities. They weren't rich at all. They were poor. They were, they were not the highest on the hierarchy of the socioeconomic scale. And neither were the ones that he told first, that the angels told first. The shepherds. The shepherds were the ones that were told when Jesus was born. And they were some of the lowest. Actually, they were probably the lowest on the hierarchy of socioeconomics. And he told them first. This God came for all types of man, from the rich to the poor. He came for everybody. Any other expected king on, er, king on earth, if you think about it, like if there's like another king that was born now, my gosh, right? He would be born in like the most beautiful place. But our God, our king of kings decided to take the lowest of lows. That's amazing. Then, as a teenager... And an adult, he encompassed every form of personality, less the sinful types, okay? Rooted in love. Every form of personality that a human can have that's deeply rooted in love and lack of sin, he encompasses. He encompassed and he encompasses. Every single personality type. And he showed mercy and grace and faith in God and and all that, all that stuff that he, we've been trying to do for years or that we've been told to do forever, the way we were supposed to be, he, he was he, and is. He used that like fleshly body to serve people and not to be served. And as I mentioned earlier, he revealed what glory looks like in the flesh so that we can all understand more deeply what God's heart really looks like. It, it, it is full of and overflowing with just love. Man, this God is so awesome. He's so awesome. He was humble. He wanted to show himself to us. He wanted to show his, his heart to us. And he just wanted to love and serve us so that we can love and serve him and others. Now, God coming in the flesh as Jesus the Messiah was the only way that he could save humanity based on the wages of sin. In order to kill death, you have to endure death and conquer it. God never would have endured death and sin in the spirit form. It's impossible. 
because the sin cannot, uh, the spirit cannot sin. I don't know if you knew that. The spirit can't sin, so it can never know death. The spirit is eternal, so it can never know flesh and death. It could never die. So he had to witness that. He had to endure that for us. So the first thing is here, he came to earth in flesh and bones in the same image that he created us in to show us his glory. So we didn't like explode. (laughs) So we didn't just die when we looked at him. We can actually see him. We can actually speak to him. We can eat with him. We can touch him. We can hug him. We can love him. He can love us. And it's just amazing. And that's the first reason he came in the flesh. The second is we saw how he used that flesh. He didn't use that flesh for self at all. He used that flesh to serve man, to show the father's heart, to show who he is, to show how loving he is. So that's the second thing. And then finally, as we all know, he came in the flesh to endure and take death and grab it by the horns and conquer it and then resurrect from death back into the spirit. He was always full of the spirit, but his flesh had to die because it can die. So the death had to happen. The resurrection had to happen. And that is what we base Christianity on. That is what we base all of our faith on is the resurrection. There were so many messiahs. There are still so many people that call themselves the messiahs. Okay. I shouldn't say there's so many messiahs. There's so many so-called messiahs, ones that claim to be messiahs. None have resurrected themselves from death. Zero people have ever resurrected themselves from death, especially after three days and three nights in the belly of the beast. So the birth of Jesus was the beginning of the glorification process for us who use our free will to have faith in God's will. For us who gave who give continuously our entire lives and our bodies and our spirits and our minds and our hearts to God and God's will. This is the beginning of the glorification process at his birth. And the birth was to show that God loves us way too much to let us hurt ourselves and be away from him forever. He won't have it. Now, I love what Paul says in in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. If you have your Bible, read along. If you can, if not, no worries. I'm reading out here. You can always refer back to them. They're in the description. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 say this. This is the NIV. Who, being in very nature, God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul had to emphasize the cross aspect here because the cross really stinks to die on. It's really awful. Okay, Paul is obviously talking about Jesus here. Jesus could have easily come here and dictated everything. But no, he took the role of a servant, it says. He came humbly to earth to show what real love is. He then became obedient, quote unquote, obedient to death, to allow death to to take his body, right? Okay, death, yeah, you can have this one little small, quote unquote, win, right? But then he resurrected himself to show everyone that, hey, 
Death doesn't even control me. Death controls nobody who believes in me either. Doesn't control me, doesn't control you if you believe in me. The next set of verses here is Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 18. It says this, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death, that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in, in slavery by their fear of death. For surely it is not angels he helps, but Abraham's descendants. For this reason he had to make like them, fully human in every way, in order that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in service to God, and that he might make atonement for the sins of the people. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. There is so much meat in this that we can't get to today, but he knows what it's like to be us as humans. He truly understands our pain and suffering because of sin. Because he endured it in the flesh, right? He, he, he knows it. He knows how we feel. He knows how sin affects us now. Not because he sinned, but because of sin's collateral damage that led to us pinning him to a cross to die. Sin has so much collateral damage. Collateral damage meaning damage not just to self, not just to maybe somebody next to you, but so many people. And it, it led to a our God the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, to be pinned to a cross to die. Just keep that in mind. He is amazing. He, did, he loves you so much that he came to earth in the flesh so that he can break the power of death that is held by the devil, that is held by Satan. Satan wants every single one of us to die and worship him. Don't let, don't do that. <laughs> Just don't do that. Worship God because God conquered death. So I have three questions for you. I'd love to ask you and you, you please meditate on them, pray about them, answer them if you'd like, but they're just to dig deeper into our faith here. So question number one is what does God coming in the flesh mean for you? Question number two is how does Jesus relating to us and our pain in the flesh affect your relationship with him? And then finally, the third question is, what can we learn from Jesus using his body as a bondservant in our everyday lives? I hope you're blessed by this. I really, I really hope you're blessed by this. And I hope that if you're not listening to this during Christmas time, and it really doesn't matter, whenever you listen to this episode, just know that we should be celebrating Christ's birth Every day, every day of the year, because Christ came to earth for every single one of us. And then he died and felt all that pain for us. And then he resurrected to kill death <laughs> for us. Folks, I'm so appreciative of you. Jesus loves you. I love you. We really appreciate you listening and praying for the podcast and praying for us as we continue to spread the gospel across the world. Now, I would love to pray over you and close this out here in prayer. So if you could take your prayer posture, whatever you, you feel comfortable with, and how you talk to God, and if it's safe to do so, let's do that and talk to our Creator. Our Father, thank you so much. 
for being you. Thank you so much for letting your will be done in all of our lives because your will is the greatest will. It's the best will. It is life. It equals life. It equals love. We thank you so much for the ability to read your word, the words that you talk to us in so that we can learn who you are more and more each and every single day. We appreciate your birth as a human in in such a humble way to show us who you are, where your heart is. Lord, we, we thank you so much. We thank you for giving us life in your death and resurrection. And we thank you for the, for the bread that you give to us, the words that you give to us, the, the spirit that you give to us that we pray continuously, continuously fills us every single day. We, we thank you so much for your love. And we ask that the spirit continues to move in all of us so that we no longer sin and that we can pin all those sins that we do to you at the cross. We can leave those at your feet and we can trust in you and move forward in, in life and, and know that we have eternal life. We thank you for, for you and we thank you for everybody. I pray over everyone to feel your love and to be healed where healing is necessary and to be, to know that they are blessed. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.